Chapter Eleven of Danny's Own Story. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Danny's Own Story by Don Marquis. Chapter Eleven. One night, when I've been there more'n a week, and I'm getting kind of tired staying in one place so long. I don't want to go to bed after I eat, and I gets a hold of some of the professor's cigars and goes into the library to see if he got anything fit to read. Settin' there thinking of the awful remarkable people they is in this world, I must have went to sleep. Pretty soon in my sleep I hearin' two voices. Then I waked up sudden, and still hearin' em, low and quick-like in the room that opens right off of the library, with a couple of them sliding doors like is onto a box-car. One voice was a woman's voice, and it wasn't Mrs. Stell's. But I must see them before we go, Henry, she says. And the other was a man's voice, and it wasn't no one around our house. But my God, he says, suppose you get it yourself, Jane. I set up straight then, for Jane was the professor's wife's first name. You mean, suppose you get it, she says. I like to have seen the look she must have given to fit in with the way she says that you. He didn't say nothing, the man didn't, and then her voice softens down some, and she says low and slow, Henry, wouldn't you love me if I did get it? Suppose it marked and pitted me all up. Oh, of course, he says, of course I would. Nothing can change the way I feel, you know that. He said it quick enough, all right, just the way they does in a show, but it sounded too much like it does on the stage to have suited me if I'd been her. I seen folks overdo them little talks before this. I listened some more, and then I sees how it is. This is that musician feller Biddy Malone's been talking about. Jane's going to run off with him all right, but she's got to kiss the kids first. Women is like that. They may hate the kids' pa all right, but they dad burn few of em don't like the kids. I thinks to myself, it must be late. I bet they was already started, or ready to start and she made him bring her here first so she could sneak in and see the kids. She just simply couldn't get by, but she's taken a fool risk, too. Or how's she going to see Marjorie with that nurse coming and going and hanging around all night? And even if she tries just to see William dear, it's a ten-to-one shot he'll wake up and she'll be catched at it. And then I thinks, suppose she is catched at it. What of it? Ain't a woman got a right to come into her own house with her own door-key? even if they is a quarantine onto it, and see her kids? And if she is catched seeing them, how would anyone know she was going to run off? And ain't she got a right to have a friend of hern and her husband's bring her over from her mother's house, even if it is a little late? And then I seen she wasn't taking no great risks neither, and I thinks maybe I better go and tell that professor what is going on, for he has treated me purty white. And then I thinks, I'll be gosh derned if I meddle. So far as I can see that their professor ain't getting fur from what's coming to him nohow. And as for her, you got to let some people find out what they want for themselves. Anyhow, where do I come in at? But I want to get a look at her and Henry anyhow. So I eases off my shoes careful-like, and I eases across the floor to them sliding doors, and I puts my eye down to the little crack. The talk is going backward and forward between them two, him wanting her to come away quick, and her undecided whether to risk seeing the kids, and all the time she's kind of hoping maybe she will be catched if she tries to see the kids, and she's begging off for more time generally. 
Well, sir, I didn't blame that musician fellow none when I seen her. She was a peach. And I couldn't blame her so much neither when I thought of Miss Estelle and all them scientifics of the professors strung out for years and years, world without end. Yet when I seen the man, I sort of wished she wouldn't. I seen right off that Henry wouldn't do. It takes a man with a lot of gumption to keep a woman feeling good and not sorry for doing it when he's married to her. But it takes a man with twice as much to make her feel right when they ain't married. And this fellow wears one of them little brown pointed beards fur to hide where his chin ain't. And his eyes is too much like a woman's, which is the kind that gets the biggest piece of pie at the lunch counter and forgets to thank the girl as cuts it big. She was sitting in front of a table, twisting her fingers together, and he was walking up and down. I seen he was mad and trying not to show it, and I seen he was scared of the smallpox and trying not to show that too. And just about that time, something happened that kind of jolted me. They was one of them big chairs in the room where they was that has got a high back and spins around on itself. It was right across from me and on the other side of the room, and it was facing the front window, which was a bow window. And that there chair begins to turn, slow and easy. First I thought she wasn't turning, and then I seen she was. But Jane and Henry didn't. They was all took up with each other in the middle of the room, with their backs to it. Henry is a-begging of Jane, and she turns a little more. That chair does. Will she squeak, I wonders? Don't you be a fool, Jane, says the Henry feller. Around she comes three hull inches that there chair, and nary a squeak. A fool, asks Jane, and laughs. And I'm not a fool to think of going with you at all, then? That chair she moved six inches more, and I seen the calf of a leg and part of a crumpled-up coat-tail. But I am going with you, Henry, says Jane, and she gets up just like she is going to put her arms around him. But Jane don't. For that chair swings clear around, and there sets the professor. He's all hunched up and caved in, and he's rubbing his eyes like he just woke up recent, and he's got a grin onto his face that makes him look like his sister Estelle looks all the time. Excuse me, says the professor. They both swings around and faces him. I can hear my heart bumping. Jane never says a word. The man with the brown beard never says a word. But if they felt like me, they both felt like laying right down there and having a fit. They looks at him and he just sets there and grins at them. But after a while, Jane, she says, Well, now you know. What are you going to do about it? Henry, he starts to say something, too, but... Don't start anything, says the professor to him. You aren't going to do anything, or they was words to that effect. Professor Booth, he says, seeing he has got to say something, or else Jane will think the worse of him, I am keep still, says the professor, real quiet. I'll tend to you in a minute or two. You don't count for much. This thing is mostly between me and my wife. When he talks so decided, I think maybe the professor has got something into him besides science after all. Jane, she looks kind of surprised herself, but she says nothing except, What are you going to do, Frederick? And she laughs one of them mean kind of laughs and looks at Henry like she wanted him to spunk up a little more, and says, What can you do, Frederick? Frederick, he says, not excited a bit. There's quite a number of things I could do that would look bad when they got into the newspapers, but it's none of them unless one of you forces me to it. Then he says, 
You did want to see the children, Jane? She nodded. Jane, he says, can't you see I'm the better man? The professor, he was woke up after all them years of scientifics, and he didn't want to see her go. Look at him, he says, pointing to the fellow with the brown beard. He's scared stiff right now. Which I would have been scared myself if I'd have been a catch that away like Henry was, and the professor's voice sounding like you was chopping ice every time he spoke. I seen the professor didn't want to have no blood on the carpet without he had to have it, but I seen he was making up his mind about something, too. Jane, she says, you a better man, you? You think you've been a model husband just because you've never beaten me, don't you? No, says the professor. I've been a blame fool, all right. I've been a worse fool, maybe, than if I had beaten you. And then he turns to Henry, and he says, duels are out of fashion, aren't they? And the plain killing looks bad in the papers, doesn't it? Well, you just wait for me. With which he gets up and trots out, and I hear him running downstairs to his laboratory. Henry, he'd rather go now. He don't want to wait. But with Jane a-looking at him, he's shamed not to wait. It's his place to make some kind of a strong action now, to show Jane he is a great man, but he don't do it. And Jane is too much of a thoroughbred to show him she expects it. And me? I'm getting the fidgets and wondering to myself, what is that there professor up to now? Whatever it is, it ain't like no one else. He is loony, that professor is, and she is kind of loony, too. I wonder if there is any one that ain't loony sometimes. I've been around the country a good eel, too, and seen and hearn of some awful remarkable things, and I never seen no one that wasn't more or less loony when the search us the femme comes into the case, which is a dago word I got out in a newspaper, and it means who was the dead gent's lady friend. And we all set and sweat and got the fidgets, waitin' for that professor to come back, which he done with that sister Estelle grin onto his face and a pill-box in his hand. They was two pills in the box, he says, placid and chilly. Yes, sir, duels are out of fashion. This is the age of science. All the same, the one that gets her has got to fight for her. If she isn't worth fighting for, she isn't worth having. Here are two pills. I made them myself. One has enough poison in it to kill a regiment when it gets to working well, which it does fifteen minutes after it is taken. The other one has got nothing harmful in it. If you get the poison one, I keep her. If I get it, you can have her. Only I hope you will wait long enough after I'm dead, so there won't be any scandal around town. Henry, he never said a word. He opened his mouth, but nothing came of it. When he'd done that, I thought I hearn his tongue scrape again his cheek on the inside like a piece of sandpaper. He was scared, Henry was. But you know which is which, Jane sings out. The thing's not fair. That is the reason my dear Jane is going to shuffle these pills around each other by herself, says the professor, and then pick out one for him and one for me. You don't know which is which, Jane, and as he is the favorite, he is going to get the first chance. If he gets the one I want him to get, he will have just fifteen minutes to live after taking it. In that fifteen minutes he will please to walk so far from my house that he won't die near it and make a scandal. I won't have a scandal without I have to. Everything is going to be nice and quiet and respectable. The effect of the poison is similar to heart failure. No one can tell the difference on the corpse. There's going to be no blood anywhere. 
I will be found dead in my house in the morning with heart failure or else he will be picked up dead in the street far enough away so as to make no talk or they was words to that effect he is rubbing it in considerable I thinks that professor is I wonder if I better jump in and stop the whole thing and then I thinks no it's between them three besides I want to see which one is going to get that there loaded pill I always been interested in games of chance of all kinds and when I seen the professor was such a sport I'm sorry I've been misjudging him all this time Jane she looks at the box and she breathes hard and quick I won't touch him she says I refuse to be a party to any murder of that kind hmm? you do says the professor but the time when you might have refused has gone by you have made yourself a party to it already you're really the main party to it but do as you like he goes on I'm giving him more chance than I ought to with these pills I might shoot him and I would and then face the music if it wasn't for mixing the children up in the scandal Jane if you want to see him get a fair chance Jane you've got to hand out those pills one to him and then one to me you must kill one or the other of us or else I'll kill him the other way and you had better pick one out for him because I know which is which or else let him pick one out for himself he says Henry he wasn't saying nothing I thought he had fainted but he hadn't I seen him licking his lips I bet Henry's mouth was all dry inside Jane she took the box and she went round in front of Henry and she looked at him hard she looked at him like she was thinking for God's sake spunk up some and take one if it does kill you and then she says out loud Henry if you die I will die too and Henry he took one his hand shook but he took it out in the box if she had looked like that at me maybe I would have took one myself for Jane she was a peach she was but I don't know whether I would have or not when she makes that brag about dying I looked at the professor what she said never fazed him and I thinks again maybe I'd better jump in now and stop this thing and then I thinks again no it is between them three and Providence besides I'm anxious to see who is going to get that pill with the science in it I gets the feeling just like Providence hisself was in that there room picking out them pills with his own hands and I was anxious to see what Providence's idea of right and wrong was like so fur as I could see they was all three in the wrong but if I had have been in there running them pills in Providence's place I would have let them all off kind of easy Henry he ain't eat his pill yet he's just looking at it and shaking the professor pulls out his watch and lays it on the table it's a quarter past eleven he says mr. Murray are you going to make me shoot you after all I didn't want a scandal he says it's for you to say whether you want to eat that pill and get your even chance or whether you want to get shot the shooting method is sure but it causes talk of these pills won't which and he pulls a revolver which I suppose he had got that too when he went down after them pills Henry he looks at the gun then he looks at the pill then he swallows the pill the professor puts his gun back into his pocket and then he puts his pill into his mouth he don't swallow it he looks at the watch and he looks at Henry sixteen minutes past eleven he says at exactly twenty-nine minutes to twelve mr. Murray will be dead I got the harmless one I can tell by the taste and he put the pieces out into his hand to show that he has chewed his up 
not being willing to wait fifteen minutes for a verdict from his digestive ornaments, and then he put them pieces back into his mouth and chewed them up and swallowed them down like he was eating cough drops. Henry has got sweat breaking out all over his face, and he tries to make for the door, but he falls down onto a sofa. This is murder, he says weak-like, and then he tries to get up again, but this time he falls to the floor in a dead faint. It's a dern short fifteen minutes, I thinks to myself. That professor must have put more science into Henry's pill than he thought he did for it to knock him out that quick. It ain't scarcely three minutes. When Henry falls, the woman staggers and tries to throw herself on top of him. The corners of her mouth were all drawed down, and her eyes was turned up. But she don't yell none. She can't. She tries, but she just gurgles in her throat. The professor won't let her fall across Henry. He catches her. Sit up, Jane, he says, with that Estelle look onto his face, and let's have a talk. She looks at him with no more sense in her face than a piece of putty has got, but she can't look away from him. And I'm kind of paralyzed, too. If that fellow laying on the floor had only just kicked once, or grunted, or done something, I could have loosened up and yelled, and I would have. I just needed to fetch a yell. But Henry ain't more'n dropped down there till I'm feeling just like he'd always been there, and I'd always been staring into that room, and the last word anyone spoke was said hundreds and hundreds of years ago. You're a murderer, says Jane in a whisper, looking at the professor in that stare-eyed way. You're a murderer, she says, saying like she was trying to make herself feel sure he really was one. Murder, says the professor. Did you think I was going to run any chances for a pup like him? He's scared, that's all. He's just fainted through fright. He's a coward. Those pills were both just bread and sugar. He'll be all right in a minute or two. I've just been showing you that that fellow hasn't got nerve enough nor brains enough for a fine woman like you, Jane, he says. And then Jane begins to sob and laugh, both two once kind of wild-like, her voice clucking like a hen does, and she says, It's worse, then. It's worse. It's worse for me than if it were a murder. Some farces can be more tragic than any tragedy ever was, she says, or they was words to that effect. And of Henry had have really been dead she couldn't have took it no harder than she begun to take it now when she saw he was alive but just wasn't no good but i seen she was taking on for herself now more'n for henry dr kirby always used to say women is made unlike most other animals in many ways when they is foolish about a man they can stand to have that man killed a good eel better than to have him showed up ridiculous right in front of them they will still be crazy about the man that is dead, even if he was crooked, but they don't never forgive the feller that lets himself be made a fool and lets them look foolish, too. And when the professor kicks Henry in the ribs, and Henry comes too and sneaks out, Jane, she never even turns her head and looks at him. Jane, says the professor when she quiets down some, you have a lot of things to forgive me, but do you suppose I have learned enough? so that we can make a go of it if we start all over again. But Jane, she never said nothing. Jane, he said, Estelle is going back to New England as soon as Marjorie gets well, and she will stay there for good. Jane, she begins to take a little interest then. Did Estelle tell you so, she asks. No, says the professor. Estelle doesn't know it yet. I'm going to break the news to her in the morning. But Jane still hates him. She's making herself hate him hard. 
She wouldn't have been a human woman if she had let herself be coaxed up all too once. Pretty soon she says, I'm tired, and she went out looking like the professor was a perfect stranger. She was a piece, Jane was. After she left, the professor sat there quite a spell and smoked, and he was looking tired out too. There wasn't no mistake about me. I was just dead all through my legs. End of chapter 11